You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-year-plus partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Nobaris is probably one of the most kind of prevalent ransomware threats we've seen over the last year or so. So the fact that it's been around for a year is actually probably almost notable at this point because um, many ransomware families now have kind of a shorter lifespan than that at the moment. That's Bridget O'Gorman. She's a senior intelligence analyst with Symantec's Threat Hunter team. The research we're discussing today is titled Nobaris Ransomware, Dark Side and Black Matter Successor Continues to Evolve Its Tactics. also have an interesting history here. Can you walk us through some of the background? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Nobaris definitely has an interesting history. For those who may not be familiar with the name, Nobaris is a name we use for the ransomware that's also very commonly called Black Cat or ALF. And this ransomware, as I said, first appeared in November 2021. And it sort of sparked, I suppose, interest at the time because it was written in Rust. And that was the first time we'd seen um, a ransomware that was written in that language being kind of professionally deployed um, sort of in ransomware attacks like this. Um, and Rust is kind of an interesting language. It's very secure. And it's also cross-platform. So it would mean the ransomware could potentially be ported over and used on other platforms if the attackers um, or the developers wanted to do that. But also, yeah, the kind of background of Nobaris then is that it's essentially the successor to the dark side and black matter ransomware families um, and is believed to be developed by the same group, which is a group that um, Symantec tracks as Corid, but which is also you know commonly known as um, Fin7 as well. And obviously dark side would be a name I think familiar to a lot of people, anyone who kind of follows cybersecurity news because that is the group that was behind the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack back in May 2021, which sort of drew a lot of heat onto the group at the time, I suppose. And that's what led it to um, rebrand as Black Matter. And then they've subsequently rebranded now as Novaris is basically the latest rebrand of that group's ransomware, essentially. So my understanding is that this is uh, operated as a ransomware as a service 
uh, type of thing here. And and they they do have some specific rules for their affiliates. Can you take us through some of that? Yeah, so that's it. Noberis is operated as a ransomware as a service, which I, you know, I'm sure obviously most listeners to this podcast will understand what that means. But basically it means, you know, Corey's, they're the developers of Noberis. They control the ransomware, control the malware. But then it's the attacks are essentially carried out by what is known as affiliates. So basically other groups who actually uh, infiltrate the the victims, the companies, and deploy the ransomware on their networks. And most ransomware developers who operate these kind of programs, they do tend to have rules about how the ransomware can be used. And that's generally in an effort to, you know, prevent them from coming under too much scrutiny, shall we say. Um, so Noberis, like many ransomware families, one of its rules is that it can't be deployed in the Commonwealth of Independent States or neighboring countries which essentially are the, you know, ex-Soviet states in Russia, basically. And they also say it can't be deployed on healthcare organizations or nonprofits. And they also advise against attacking the education and government sectors. And as you said, these are all essentially to avoid their attacks drawing, you know, too much attention. And obviously, um, Corey that develops Noberis, I suppose, was stung in the past with its attack on um, the colonial pipeline, drawing so much attention on it at the time. So those are kind of the main rules. The gang is interesting. It doesn't seem to have any, you know, issue with kind of dropping affiliates if it feels they can't kind of aren't, you know, performing up to to what they the level they expect or bringing in enough money basically for them. They will get rid of affiliates. It seems fairly, uh, fairly easily if they they feel they're not doing a good enough job, essentially. Well, let's dig into some of the technical capabilities here. Can you walk us through what uh, what exactly is it capable of? Yeah, well, Noberis is, it's, it's kind of interesting. It, it sort of, it underlines, I guess, for its affiliates, you know, what it's capable of doing. So, you know, it creates a unique entrance to its own onion domain for each attack that takes place. It also offers, um, you know, encrypted negotiation chats that can only be accessed by the intended victim. And that's something that seems to have become kind of more of a priority for ransomware gangs over the last couple of months of the year, I would say as well, they really want to keep these negotiation chats private and prevent them being um, infiltrated by law enforcement or security researchers, I think. Also, one of the most interesting things I think about Noberis is that it offers, um, it actually offers four encryption modes. So it offers full full encryption, fast encryption, dot pattern and smart pattern encryption. Now, full encryption um, is obviously the most self-explanatory. It's the most secure, but it's also obviously the slowest mode of encryption. The most interesting one, I think, is the smart pattern encryption, because this basically is also known as intermittent encryption um, in other kind of by other in other iterations by other ransomware groups. And it basically offers encryption of a certain percentage of megabytes in percentage increments. Now, by default, for Noberis, it encrypts with a strip of 10 megabytes every 10% of the file starting from the header. And they say this is kind of the optimal mode for attackers in terms of both speed and also cryptographic strength. And Sentinel Labs um, actually published a report about this kind of encryption recently where they refer to it as intermittent encryption. And they said how it was used by Noberis. It's also used by Black Boston. It's also used by the Play uh, ransomware, which is one of the newer ransomware families as well. And I think it's quite interesting because it nearly seems to be used at the moment by ransomware families as nearly a bit of a, a selling point. The fact that if their ransomware is capable of deploying this intermittent encryption, you know, they're kind of using it as a selling point to try and get affiliates to use their ransomware because they're saying, you know, they're capable of um, 
encrypting files quicker than other ransomware if they have to deploy full ransomware or full encryption, I should say, and that kind of thing. So um, I think that's quite um, quite an interesting part of Novaris's operation. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Yeah, that is really an interesting aspect of it. Help me understand here. I mean, so are are they basically, uh, you know, sprinkling the encryption throughout the files so they only have to encrypt a a small percentage of it? Just does that work on the flip side as well? If someone pays the ransom and wants to decrypt, do they get their files back faster? I I presume they probably would because now I'm not sure on that. But I presume because there will be less of the file to decrypt that it should decrypt faster. But like, I guess the point of the intermittent encryption is that while the full file isn't encrypted, you know, the file is still useless essentially. So from the perspective of you as the victim, you know, the file is 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 fully encrypted and you can't access it. Um, so from your perspective, it's still just as serious as the full encryption. But from the attacker's perspective, it doesn't take as much time and that's obvious, like that is the main point we mm-hmm. think of the intermittent encryption because obviously the longer attackers are on a system, the longer it takes for them to encrypt these files, the more chance of their activity being intercepted and the more chance that they may not be able to complete the attack, which is obviously what they want to do. Now, is it correct that Noberis has sort of different tiers for the, the level of affiliates? Uh, they'll if you do well for them, they'll give you access to some enhanced tools? Yeah, it does seem that Noberis are quite focused on attracting, I suppose, you know, strong affiliates to their team, affiliates that are capable of carrying out, you know, serious kind of high money attacks. Um, because as I said, they have no issue with calling affiliates if they're not bringing in enough money. And they did in December last year, December 2021, they added a new, what they called a plus role for affiliates that had brought in more than one and a half million US dollars. And this gave them access to basically, um, I suppose, extra capabilities, gave them access to kind of a DDoS uh, capability to basically Novaris's botnet if they wanted to carry out DDoS attacks, as well as um, giving them access to their brute force kind of capabilities that made, made it possible, the, possible for them to um, brute force uh, NTDS or Kubernetes tickets and other hashes for free and things like that. So it does seem that, yeah, Novaris is definitely focused on kind of attracting these highly skilled affiliates uh, to work with them seems to be quite a 
you know, a, a priority for them. One of the things that your research highlights here is uh, the XMatter data exfiltration tool. Uh, walk us through that. What are the capabilities there? Yeah, I thought this was quite interesting. So we saw this activity in August, just um, so not too long ago, where basically we saw a heavily updated version of the XMatter um, data exfiltration tool being used alongside Noberis in ransomware attacks. And XMatter was actually discovered by semantic researchers um, in November 2021. And at that point, it was being used alongside the Black Matter ransomware. So this is also obviously another indication of the kind of links between Noberis and Black Matter as well. And XMatter is designed basically to steal specific file types from a number of selected directories. It then uploads these to an attacker-controlled server, and then the ransomware is deployed on victim networks. And even at the time when we found um, XMatter, you know, first back in November 2021, there were various variants of the tool in existence then, because even initially its developers were kind of continuously refining it, it seemed, in order to optimize its operation, in order to expedite exfiltration of kind of, you know, a sufficient volume of this high value data as quickly as they could. Again, you know, speed being an op- like one of the goals for ransomware actors too. Um, but this latest version of XMatter, it's actually reduced the number of file types it attempts to exfiltrate down further than even what it was. Um, so, you know, it attempts to exfiltrate, you know, I suppose unsurprising uh, files with extensions like PDF, .doc, .xls, uh, JPEG files, text files, SQL files, message files, zip files, all those kind of files are still what they're looking to exfiltrate. They've also added some other new features. Uh, they've added a third exfiltration capability, FTP, to the SFTP and WebDAV capabilities that were present in older versions. They've also added the ability to build a report that can list all process files. They've also added the ability to corrupt process files. And um, interestingly as well, I thought they've added a self-destruct capability or configuration option, which when it's enabled will basically make the tool self-destruct and quit if it's executed in a non-corporate environment. So obviously that's kind of a non-analysis step it's taken there to, uh, in case it suspects it's being uh, deployed on a sandbox or anything like that. And as well as this, the malware itself was extensively rewritten and even its existing features were kind of implemented differently. So it's likely that that's all a bid to avoid detection. Um, unsurprisingly, as obviously there's protection, detections in place for the original um, XMatter tool. But um, yeah, it's quite an interesting tool. I mean, it's not 100% clear if XMatter is developed by Corey itself or if it's developers developed by um, one of the affiliates that use Corey's ransomware. But it's obviously notable that it's been used alongside both Black Matter and Novaris as well. And another thing that you all tracked here was um, evidently uh, Novaris was trying to uh, steal some credentials from some backup software. Yeah, this was kind of interesting as well. So this was, again, at least one of the affiliates um, that was using a Novaris ransomware recently. Um, again, this actually happened in August as well. So August seemed to be kind of an active month for uh, affiliates deploying Novaris. Uh, but they were using um, information stealing malware that's specifically designed to steal credentials that are stored by the Veeam backup software. Now, Veeam is a software that's capable of storing credentials for a wide range of systems, um, including uh, notably domain controllers and also cloud services. And these credentials are stored to you know, facilitate the backup of these systems. 
And the malware that was deployed um, is called infosealer.info. And basically it's designed to connect to the SQL database for VM stores these credentials. And then it steals them with a SQL query, essentially. It can then decrypt these credentials um, and then displays them to the attackers, of course. So AMFO, it's not a new tool. Um, it just seemed to have been around since last year, around August 2021. And there is um, evidence that has previously been used by attackers who have deployed the Yan Luang and the Lockbit ransomware families. And there was also um, a report from BlackBerry recently, just a couple of weeks ago, that also detailed AMFO being used um, alongside a new ransomware strain as well, that it was calling Monty, which it said appears to be based on the lead source code of the Conti ransomware. Um, and the TTPs that were using these Monty attacks, they would closely resemble former Conti attack chains. So it's possible that Conti were also behind these Monty attacks as well. So they may be former affiliates of the group. And of course, as we know, Conti was shut down in May and many of the former affiliates are now working with other ransomware, other ransomware families. And I mean, among that is Noveris as well, like ex-Conti affiliates are believed to be deploying Noveris now as well. So it's it's possible that that's what we're seeing here. Um, so stealing credentials from Veeam, it is a known technique. It allows for privilege escalation, lateral movement, basically gives the attackers access to more data to exfiltrate, to more machines to encrypt as well. And something notable as well in these attacks we saw um, where AMFO was used was also the a relatively old rootkit scanner called Gmer was also used. And this can be used um, by ransomware actors to kill processes. And it's interesting because it's quite an old tool, but it has been seen used in a few ransomware attacks recently. So it does seem to be something that ransomware attackers are, are leveraging a bit at the moment as well. Well, based on the information that you all have gathered here, what are your recommendations? How should folks best protect themselves? I think the usual, I suppose, kind of recommendations apply you know, uh, when it comes to ransomware attacks, I think the advice doesn't generally change about these kind of things. You know, it's ensuring you have your backups in place so you have good, like comprehensive security solution in place that can help protect you from, I know it's not only a case of blocking the malware often for ransomware attacks. Like sometimes if it's a case, if you're blocking the ransomware, it's nearly too late. It's kind of trying to spot the the kind of pre-ransomware activity that can be very important for preventing these ransomware attacks. So it's really to make sure you're taking all the steps um, to avoid these ransomware attacks, that you have that good security solution in place that will hopefully spot this activity before the ransomware has a chance to be deployed on your systems, really. Thanks to Bridget O'Gorman from Symantec for joining us. The research is titled Noberis Ransomware. Dark Side and Black Matter Successor Continues to Evolve Its Tactics. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. 
SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Rachel Gelfin, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.